0: Amen. Good morning, Thrive. Um, I am so glad to be with you this morning. I see that the Luganbills are with us and the Wietos, um, Diane, Andy, (laughs) um, and Ashley, and I am just so glad to be here with you this morning to be able to dig into Daniel. And so like Pastor Andy said, my name is Mackenzie Johnson and I am one of the directors of student ministry here at Lovers Lane. I have been in worship with you guys for the past few months thanks to um, our church being closed, but us being able to worship online. So I have been able to be with you because I'm usually with the students on Sunday mornings. And so this time has been such a blessing for me to be in worship with you to lead worship with you and so when Pastor Andy asked me if I wanted to preach Labor Day weekend there was no hesitation for me to continue helping lead worship in this way and to be able to have this opportunity to preach so thank you so much Andy for giving me this opportunity. Like I said, if you have been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a series called In the Midst, where we are digging through the book of Daniel. And we have seen Daniel interpret dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar. We have seen the Hebrew boys be saved from the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have seen Daniel being rescued from the lion's den. And one of the things that I did not think going into this was that this, this series would be super impactful for me and that it would be something that resonated with me as we are going through what we are going through right now. And I have gleaned so much from Pastor Andy and Pastor Dee Dee and so I'm so excited to continue this series as we dig into Daniel 9 this morning. And one of the things that I don't get to do a lot because I don't make the time for myself is to sit and reflect. And two weeks ago, I was actually able to have a whole week to do that. I was up in Oklahoma with my friend Carrie Lynn, who some of you know, and we were in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and we had rented a cabin for the week. And we had decided that we were going to take some time to rest and reflect, and we were also going to go hiking. And one of the things that Carrie Lynn and I had started doing in March was we were going on walks, and we would call them our quarantine catch-ups. And um, it was a socially distant activity that we could do, and so we had decided to kind of level up our quarantine catch-up this past week, and we had decided to go on this hike in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. It's called the Skyline Trail, and depending on who you asked and what website you consulted, it was either seven or nine miles, but we decided we have the whole day, it'll be just fine. The other thing about the trail was that it was marked for expert hikers. And despite the amount of mileage that we had racked up between March and now, I wouldn't consider us expert hikers by any means. So just bear with me as I tell you um, what is about to ensue on this, per- this day. And so I actually have some pictures of us. Um, full disclosure, these were before the hike started. So you guys are getting a good look at um, how excited we were for this adventure. But as we started, um, so that's Carrie Lynn and I, and then there should be a picture of the trail marker of the Skyline Trail. Yep, perfect. So, great, everything's looking fine, very clear, we're all good. The first 30 minutes is the biggest, well, not the biggest, but a constant steep incline. And if that didn't deter us, when we got to the top of the incline, um, what met us should have. But it was three different paths going in the various different directions. Two of them were overgrown. And we had figured out after the uh, fork in the road situation that we were supposed to look for these little hiking markers. Um, And I think I have a picture of them. Yep. So if you can see, it's that little red circle That is attached to the tree that either had an arrow or a little hiker. Um, Some of them were worn, so they were just silver, but they weren't on every tree. They were on one tree, 15 minutes another tree, and it was a good adult game of I Spy to try and get where we were going. And so, um, We also had this trail app, but service was spotty out in the woods, and so we didn't want to rely on it. We wanted to be able um, to make it through our seven to nine miles, depending, um, to be determined. We wanted to make it through by ourselves. And so we wanted something to affirm that we were on the right path. But, like I said, every so often, about every 15 minutes, we would get very nervous that we weren't equipped to handle the path we were set out on. And so we would hike a little bit more, and then we would find a marker. And it would be, like I said, it was this fun game of, oh, over there, okay, great, let's go. The biggest pause that we always had was these inclines. And they were these steep inclines, and we just had these reservations because we didn't want to put all of the effort to go up and to come back down if that wasn't the right way that we were supposed to go on these trails. But about mile six, mile seven, when we had decided we were either halfway done or we were almost done, which either way sounded great to us, was that these markers always showed up when we needed something to push us forward. We would have these moments of doubt And then we would see a marker and get re-energized to go. And so, like I said, I had a little bit of time on this trail to really think and reflect. And I started thinking about the parallel to what the last five months have looked like. And I started asking myself, when we are looking for direction, where do we find hope? I think about these last few months for all of us, there have been lots of paths and lots of options, but not really any checkpoints or markers to affirm that next step, to re-energize us. And markers and checkpoints and different moments in our lives have always been important to me. It's been something that has helped me not feel stuck. It has been something that has helped me feel like I am moving forward. And so I recognize that we have not had those as we traditionally know them. I fully believe that graduations and birthdays and new school years help us to move forward, help us to not feel stuck. But like I said, those haven't looked like we thought that they would this year. In March we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with our extra time at home for two weeks. What Netflix show had we been neglecting? What recipe book did we want to pull off the shelf and dust off and really try out? In May or June, when this continued, we started understanding that social injustice was all around us. It was becoming more prevalent. For me, I was becoming more aware of all of the different things where social injustice was happening. But I was also trying to decide who to advocate for and who to listen to and trying to make that connection, especially within that realm of social injustice. And then August came. And we were trying to decide what back to school was gonna look like. I know some of you were trying to decide what was the best next step for your family because there's no right answer. And in the middle of all of that, we had, our conventions, our political conventions, where we also had to take in lots of information, and we're still deciphering what is the best next step for our nation come November. And I have to admit that usually a new month for me is a clean slate. It's a new calendar page in my planner. It is something that brings a lot of joy of what could be next. But that question has been reframed for me this year. There's this hesitation. There's this knot in my stomach of what could be next. What else can we deal with? And so in my almost seven hours in the woods, yes, you heard that right. We were seven hours in the woods. I thought about how that and how our scripture today is such an illustration of where hope is found When we don't have the answer, when we don't have a checkpoint or a map, when we don't have a clear path forward. Through our study of Daniel, we have seen him in some pretty difficult situations. We have seen him interpreting dreams, standing up to kings, all while living in a land that's not his own. And I think that's something that we need to remember. Daniel is not in a land that is home for him, not in a land that's comfortable for him. And so as we dig into Daniel 9 today, I'm going to summarize the chapter for us and then pick out some key verses. So um, if you want to grab your Bible, go ahead or use the app. But in Daniel 9 verses 1 through 3, this is a little bit further um, from Daniel and the lion's den that we talked about last week and um, all of the stories that we have come to know. We see Daniel sitting with the possibility that his people are going to continue in exile for 70 more years. And for Daniel, that meant that his people would not be able to be in their land, would not be able to go return home for 70 more years. Personally for Daniel, that meant that he probably was not going to be with his people as they returned home. And they were going to be in a very hostile environment for longer than they thought that they would. So Daniel is taking this time to process, to plead with God. He's using prayer and petition and fasting. And he's sitting in a sackcloth and ashes. And in Daniel's time, these acts were taken on to humble oneself to prepare oneself for revelation or crisis, which for me, those are very different things. So they were taking on this position to humble himself for whatever may come. And Daniel has this posture to hear from God, to call on God, and to call on God on the community's behalf. And so Daniel 9, 4 through 19 is this beautiful prayer that Daniel has, um, and if I'm going to challenge you guys this week to go through and read it. Um, But it's this beautiful prayer where Daniel praises God. He atones for the entire community of Jerusalem. He recognizes his shortcomings. And you can see this listed out in his prayer. And then he asks God to pardon Jerusalem. He says, hey God, I know that this is something that has been written. But what if? And I think... In this time, Daniel has seen great momentum. He has seen his prayers answered. He's asked God to help him interpret dreams. Check. He's asked God to be saved from the lion's den. Check. But he goes to God in this moment and asks to be pardoned. He asks to go home to a familiar place. And in Daniel 9 verses 20 through 27, we get God's answer. Gabriel comes to Daniel and basically says um, that Jerusalem's desolation will continue for years to come. And as someone who has grown up in the church, or if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you're waiting for my summary to continue. You're waiting for verse 28, where I say, yeah, God says this, but then he says, you know what, go on home. You're waiting for me to talk about the happy ending because of what we have seen in the, chap- in, the ver- in the book beforehand. But that's not gonna happen today. Chapter nine ends at verse 27 where Gabriel tells Daniel that Jerusalem will eventually be restored, but for Daniel's foreseeable future, the dis- r- this disruption of life will continue. And I think we're quick to look for the happy ending because I fully believe that that is what we believe God has for us. I believe that that is what our faith brings for us, is that we believe that God is going to have this happy ending. But what I'm realizing is that sometimes our happy ending takes longer than we can even fathom. And so we see that Daniel's disruption of life is going to continue. God didn't immediately send Daniel back. Daniel's exile has started to look like the uncertainty and instability that we are currently facing. But even without much direction, we can find hope by being proactive and patient. And I'm going to dig into this a little bit more because I think Daniel's example gives us a great idea of proactive and patient. Daniel was proactive We see Daniel pray and fast and change his posture because he was looking for hope in the midst of no direction. Despite the answer he was waiting for, despite whatever lay ahead, Daniel prayed. For Daniel, the beautiful prayer was not about the words. It was about the act that the prayer symbolized. And I'm going to show you what I mean. Daniel 9 verse 18 says... We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. And then Daniel was patient. Daniel listened to what Gabriel had and what ultimately God had for him. And even though it wasn't a resounding yes from God that he could go home, Daniel found hope in God's mercy. One of the things that I have loved being in student ministry is that we ha- I've been able to go through confirmation with our confirmation class of this year. And one of the lessons that we teach as we go through the Trinity is a lesson on specifically who is God. And the lesson starts out by talking about some of the things that we have come to know God or who God isn't. So it has these four um, misunderstood qualities of God. And one of them is is that God is not a vending machine. And let me explain what I mean by that. God doesn't only say yes to our requests when we need it. And we shouldn't only pray when we need a yes. Soren Kierkegaard is quoted saying, Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. And Daniel exemplifies that for us here. His prayer shows his desire to follow God's law and emphasizes the relationship we should strive for, even if we don't get the answer we want. The prayer was proactive because we understand, and what Daniel understood, was that there are many things we cannot do on our own. But accepting that answer from God was patient, believing that under the leading of God's Spirit, so much is possible. Our hike a few weeks ago was an exercise in productivity and patience. It ended up being 10 and a half miles, and yes, I do have my Apple Watch to prove it. And as the time, about the time that we got to mile 8 and realized that this wasn't just going to be 9 miles, so it wasn't 7, it wasn't going to be 9, and we just had to keep going we realized that we just had to keep walking for the next marker. It had been a source of hope, but now it needed to be the source of, we are almost there. This time of distancing is such an exercise in productivity and patience. Two weeks in March have turned into almost six months, and we have to keep going on the unknown path to get through. We cannot be paralyzed by the unknown or the extended season of difficulty. We can step forward in faith and wait for our next trail marker to appear. And in those moments of doubt, we can ask ourselves, when we are looking for direction, where do we find hope? And one of those moments for me, where I have found hope over these past six months, has been my junior, small, junior girls small group that I've met with on Sunday nights. It's been a place where we've processed through moments of doubt, where we have encouraged each other to step out in faith. And so I wanted to have one of our students from that group tell you just what her experience over the past six months has looked like. So I have a video for us.
1: I am 16 years old and I attend Richardson High School. Awesome. And so Reed, you are one of the um,
0: one of our constants in student ministry and just such a light for everyone. And so I wanted to ask you, um, when you are looking for
1: direction, where do you find hope? Whenever I'm looking for a direction, I tend to think to like. I take a step back and I look at what I'm doing, where I am and what my goal is. And I think a perfect example is like the unprecedented time that we began to experience in the middle of March whenever the coronavirus really spiked up and everybody had to go home and quarantine and stay home. So I'm a track athlete uh, for my school and we were supposed to have our district meet like I believe the week following or The beginning of April, whenever like March 13th happened, whenever that was like the last day for everything. So we all sat down in the locker room and our coach was talking to us about how we might not come back. And I was thinking about how I had all these goals set for like my continuing track meets and that was likely going to be taken away from me. So I spent the next two weeks after we were sent home to be quarantined, like wondering like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do with track? How am I going to stay in shape? How do I maintain my speed? I don't have access to a track. So like, what can I do? What I did was I looked at where I was, I was home and I looked at my goal. My goal was to maintain speed and stay in shape. So I'm a sprinter. So you don't usually catch me running over 800 meters. So I took a giant step and I started running seven miles a week. I would run two miles on Monday and Tuesday. I would run two miles on Thursday and then a mile on Friday. And I would time myself. I would make a goal of two minutes per 400 every time I would run a mile or two miles and that progressively got better and better. And I like got faster. And it ended up helping my like 400 meter sprint time as well. And I like achieved my goal of staying in shape and maintaining speed, although I didn't have access to a track. That is how I find direction. And that is how I gave myself hope. I looked at the problem and I like showed my path of what I was going to do, found my direction and I achieved what I was looking for.
0: I love working with students because I feel like I learn more from them than they do from me every week and I'm totally okay with that. Um, hearing their stories over this time has helped me understand and has helped me to step out of the spiral of unknowns that we have been going through. Reed was someone who jumped in very quickly and she's someone that I know has, is very resilient Um, But she is someone who jumped in quickly and decided that she was going to do something productive with this time. And then be patient. She was going to take those steps of faith and use those tools that she had to move forward. And sometimes, I think it's really easy to despair when our immediate reality overshadows God's truth. When there's no end in sight or it feels like we will be alone and wandering longer than we can bear. But we ask for the courage to take our first steps in faith. Like Reed said, we can take a step back, ground ourselves, decide on our goal, and then move forward. We can be productive and patient. And in Daniel nine nineteen, he prays and he says, oh Lord, listen, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. And since we are people of faith, we can be productive in prayer, in understanding that God will listen, God will forgive, God will hear and act, and will be with us in making the next best decision. And then we can be patient where God has us because our ultimate place to find hope is in God's mercy and grace and not our own timeline. This week, I challenge you to step out in faith. And like I said, I have a couple of challenges for us. The first is I challenge you to pray Daniel's prayer. It's verses 4 through 19. So Daniel 9 verses 4 through 19. And that can be your productivity for this week, to read through it every day. And then our challenge for patience is going to be, um, you have a choice. The first one I thought of was fasting. So we see Daniel fast. And there is actually a common fast known as the Daniel fast. That's actually a dietary fast. So definitely look it up before you decide. But you take away some foods and include some foods just as a spiritual practice there's also the fasting that is basically just the understanding of removing something from your life to add in more time with God and so whether that be for you social media Netflix whatever you can do a fast this week the other one I thought of was being still because what a practice of patience especially for me is to just be still I love to just move And so to be still and to listen to what God has for us. And the last thing I thought of was when we're spiraling in the unknowns, to take a time to be patient and to think about one thing a day that we are thankful for. One thing a day that we are thankful for from God and change our outlook. But to be patient and let that come to us and not just be in this pit of despair. We... When we are looking for direction, we can find our hope in our relationship with God and the grace that he gives us daily. There were a few times on the trail where we had to stop and turn around and find the right path, but it didn't mean that our hike was over or that we had no options left. We kept going because we found hope in waiting for that next mile marker. And we keep going now because we remain hopeful that God's grace will continue us through even if we don't know what is coming next. When we are looking for no direction, we find hope in God. Let us pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Daniel's witness and for just the time to dig into your word. God, I pray that as we enter in this week, that we find time to be productive and patient. And God, when we are in a time where we feel like there are so many unknowns and we have no direction, God, let us find hope in you. Amen.